Good morning. It's 3 a.m. It's Sunday, April the 7th, 2019. This is show number 87. This is the 87th show. <laughs> and here we go. Let's go. morning this is the 87th show i am your host gummo this is the show hackers uh 87 times i've done this maybe more i think i've done it more we're missing an episode or episode or two somewhere along the line well good morning from chicago uh it's uh actually um uh not bad here the uh cold weather seems to have let up i do believe that winter has finally come to a conclusion i wish i had sound effects i'd have the old hand clapping thing going uh what a tough winter what a tough winter uh, you know i sometimes uh i'll listen to an old show you know because i like the music and uh you know i just sounded dreadful <laughs> I sounded like I had no energy. I was tired. I was exhausted. And you know what? I was. What a what a grind. <laughs> it sucks. Anyhow, as you can clearly hear, I'm very well rested. I don't have any more bags under my eyes. I'm been sleeping very well. feeling good uh and uh what about you uh how are things going with you 
What's going on with you? Hopefully the winter has let up where you are. And I know we have some listeners in um, the southern, in like Australia and South Africa, and I believe they're, and, and South America, so I believe their winter is just beginning. But uh, yeah, it's it's good stuff. The, the grass is uh, turning green. Uh, and, you know, no ice, no snow, no treachery. <laughs> you know, travel can be uh, quite the event in Chicago during winters. And, uh, you know, I think I've documented that more than once here on the uh, podcast. Lots of uh, interesting things that have been going on since I've been uh, on the show last What's it been? A couple weeks, I think. Uh, and it's 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 definitely been an an interest <laughs> an interesting two weeks. Um, nevertheless, uh, and it it, uh, it you know I yeah we'll we'll just leave that there. Uh, so. One of the things that I, I uh, left off on show 86 was that I wanted to um, talk about a little piece of hardware that's pretty crucial in today's environment. Uh, you know, uh, as you all know, or if you don't know, uh, you know, I work in uh, you know the security area of technology, and um, you know, and I've also been speaking with some companies over the past several weeks as well. Uh, and understanding a <laughs> understanding a lot about uh, what some companies need, uh, what some companies think that they need, uh, and what's working, what doesn't work, and some of the some of the architecture uh, that companies are using are um, interesting to say the least. And so uh, you know, you know, if you've been listening to the show for a while, you know what kind of cat I am. And, you know, I, I kind of always take a broad, fresh perspective on <laughs> security, uh, IT security. And so, uh, you know, you've got companies spending uh, millions, millions of dollars literally on hardware and software solutions. You know, you've, you've got edge routers and you've got uh, AI systems running to prevent um, hacking attacks. And I recently attended a cybersecurity conference in Chicago, uh, which was interesting um, from my point and perspective, because looking at all of these systems and all of these functions and these people that are involved in these these industries and all of this, this, this hardware and software and all of this shit everywhere. And it really was just kind of overwhelming for me. And Thank God, whoever threw the event uh, served us lunch, and it was a delicious lunch. <laughs> it really was. Uh, I that was the best part of the whole thing. I thought um, was the food. It was really good. Uh, but nevertheless, <laughs> nevertheless, you know, I I'm looking I'm looking back, and I'm like I'm 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 quite literally astounded, right? So I'm like, wow, you know, that's that's kind of amazing. Uh, and that's good, right? Uh, companies should be um, definitely doing everything possible to protect their infrastructure, their their networks, their security, um, you know, the whole norm. Uh, and, you know, and, and I'll keep my personal opinion away from most of that. Um, but, 
it, it does make sense to invest wisely in your IT infrastructure. But all right, so uh, I guess I'm going to give it away because I got a lot of things to talk about. And we're, we're going to um, actually air something uh, later here in the show as well. So let me get through it. You know, with all of this stuff, all of this hardware, all of this software, all of these resources and people that you have, uh, one of the things that uh, you can find uh, if you go if you go to eBay, uh, you can find something called an AirDrive Keylogger hardware USB with Wi-Fi and 16 megabytes of memory. And so, basically, what this device is, uh, it's a keylogger with Wi-Fi. So you could actually log into it, right? Uh, and uh, access the data from its keylogging activities, or it can just connect on its own and send you the keylogging in real time, which is something that I find interesting because the price point is is, <laughs> is extremely affordable. It's $33.33 plus $5.99 shipping. Uh, and you can actually get it by April the 11th. Uh, these are from Miami, uh, and again, it's on eBay. I'm not going to give the actual listing. Uh, it, again, um, it's it, if it's not this device, there's uh, there's others out there like it and at the same price point. And so these things are really uh, incredibly dangerous because uh, you can take these and put them on uh, any keyboard that you wish to target, and you've got keys to the Magic Kingdom. Uh, and they, they are virtually undetectable as well. It just looks like a simple USB standoff, so no one would ever be able to detect it. So say, for instance, you uh, go to a meeting with someone who has... Say, for instance, you're going to someone's office at a high-level meeting, right? And they have one of those computer systems where the keyboard is facing you, you know, the plug, and all you have to do is just show up and plug it in and plug it in. And no one would ever ever notice these things and so these things are quite dangerous uh but it could be your keys to the magic kingdom in some certain situations and it's not really hard to get these devices onto a device uh you know a keyboard on a network this day and age really scary devices kind of cool it's an old it's a new take on an old idea <laughs> So, you know, for under 40 bucks, you could probably get information to, you know, potentially millions of dollars conveniently sent to you. Um, and they're very interesting devices. Check it out. Use it responsibly and for educational purposes only. All of that stuff. Speaking of cool devices, I wanted to bring up another device, and I'm, I'm not sure if I brought it up in any of the previous shows, but uh, Mitch Altman, who is one of uh, the most respected hackers in the community, uh, created a device uh, many years ago called the TV Be Gone. And basically, the TV Be Gone uh, universal remote control allows you to turn virtually any TV on or off. Uh, of course, uh, they, if, uh, speaking from the company's website, uh, they, of course, prefer it off. Uh, you control when you see TV rather than what you see. The TV Be Gone keychain remote is so small that it really fits in your pocket or purse so that you have it handy whenever you need it, whenever you go to bars, restaurants, laundromats, ballparks, arenas, etc. You can use the TV Be Gone to control access to television for philosophical or practical reasons or simply to have fun. 
quoting Mitch Altman, the inventor of TV Begone. The TV Begone is type of a universal remote control which works by shining pulses of invisible light that tells most TVs to turn themselves off. Uh, it, it, the TV Begone also uh, works great in uh, many, many different applications on almost all televisions, I believe. Uh, the TV Begone Pro Super High Power, the SPH, SHP, works even better so i would recommend the super high power version so you don't you don't you know if you're in a bar or restaurant or somewhere where there's an annoying tv and you want wish to turn it off right you so you can just be discreet uh the tv begun is an environmental management device having dinner with friends in a restaurant with loud tvs just doesn't do it sometimes of course we all have been there and that's why you would use something like this. And, you know, it, it may take uh, several t times of you turning it off, you know, like when you turn it off and then the manager will come along and turn it back on and then fuss about. And if you just keep turning it off after they turn it, keep turning it on, they'll just leave it alone, right? Because they don't have time to mess with it. Uh, then, of course, after you leave, uh, they just, you know, you know how it goes, right? Check it out at tvbegone.com. Support Mitch Altman. He's a super cool and approachable guy. Uh, and he's, he's everywhere. Uh, wonderful, wonderful, uh, wonderful hacker. Um, check it out. TV be gone. They're, they're definitely affordable too. They're, they're super cool. And his website's super cool too. I don't know who did the artwork. Probably Mitch. <laughs> super cool devices. I love them. Uh, and so I'm just going to keep moving along. Another interesting device that I uh, was able to zero in on uh, is, is one that you see, you know, hopefully you're not one of those people that are keeping your eye on the 24-hour news cycle. But if you are, you know, whatever, whatever. Um, so you, we see these uh, awful videos of uh, nannies and uh, all of these you know, nanny cams, right? And so I was able to stumble across a nanny cam that caught my eye because its, it's definition is quite there. It, and it's got a DVR built into it. And it's kind of a DIY uh, kit. So, you know, the hacker in you will definitely come about. Uh, if you go to a website called Zetronics, uh, and search for the 1080p HD DVR nanny cam DIY self-install hidden camera. You should see it. Oh, uh, the model is. Sorry about that. The model the model number is uh, ZDIY hyphen ATOM capital DVR. So the model number is ZDIY or Z, lowercase Z, capital D-I-Y, hyphen, capital A, lowercase T-O-M, capital D-V-R. And you will be uh, greeted with a, uh, a camera that is a 1080p uh, high-definition nanny cam with a pinhole lens camera in it. And uh, it, it, comes, it comes with the affordability to have an extra rechargeable battery pack for it. Uh, and also different um, memory cards. Now, I believe it's an SD class memory card uh, that plugs into the device, and if I'm not mistaken, and so if, you, you know you can get um, a high capacity SD memory card, and you're in the mix. And um, if I'm not mistaken, uh, someone just launched a one terabyte SD card somewhere. Uh, 
had to slow down. I've got this lemonade therapy going on. Anyhow, the Zetronics DIY Pro DVR Hidden Cam Kit is an all-in-one solution for turning any household item into a digital recording camera. This kit, let me, God, I got to zoom in on things. This kit has a tiny camera that is attached to a board and a battery with a USB port. So it can literally be placed in any household device, whether it's in a small teddy bear, a house plant, or any household or office item, turning it into a hidden nanny cam. Um, the self-contained hide-it-yourself hidden camera kit comes with everything you need to turn any object into a camera. The tiny camera records in 1080p resolution that captures small details, face, uh, small details, faces, and things that most cameras would miss from across the room. The tiny micro camera is attached to a board which contains all of the electronics, including a micro SD card slot. The do-it-yourself camera kit can directly be connected to any usb port or usb wall charger with the cable included for power or can be connected to the included battery that can be charged while the camera is being operated uh, it's a pinhole lens camera that only needs a tiny pinhole lens to see through which means that the tiny camera can be hidden in pretty much anything a box anything you're you're just sky's the limit right uh, it's, uh, it's suggested use, uh, of course, is um, mini. Uh, it's got a lot of uh, interesting um, specifications here. Uh, 1080p, uh, high definition, wide angle, 90 degrees. Uh, it's a tiny lens. Uh, records to micro SD card. In uh, 10 hours on a 64 gigabyte micro SD card. Built-in microphone and records audio as well. Be sure to check your state and local laws for audio recording and uh, among other features. Uh, and it's got a CMOS video sensor. And that's one, and see, that's why I brought it up, right? You don't, you really don't want to get a camera if you, if you, so if you're going to roll with the whole, uh, you know, you're going to use a spy cam for some reason, you really don't want to use it. You really, you really want to get a camera. You really want to get a camera with a CMOS sensor in it, and so that's what I'm uh, recommending to you, kids. Is the uh, the Zetronics hidden cam? So there you have it. Uh, you have got a uh, AirDrive, Wi-Fi, USB, uh, interceptor keylogger. You have the TV be gone, and you know it. You have the hidden nanny cam. So uh, much, much, much interesting things abound. A lot of things, <laughs> a lot of things that keep your mind busy. Let me take a breath here and uh, grab another sip of my lemonade. So as I said, I've been getting plenty of rest and... Um, a few days ago, I watched an old movie from the 80s. It was called Crush Groove. You know, if if you don't know by now, I really like hip-hop. You know, I like the new stuff, the old stuff, whatever. But this really took me back. You know, when I was in like the seventh grade, uh, there was this movie that came out in 1985 called Crush Groove. 
Uh, and it, it, it really painted an accurate depiction of the vibe and the energy of 1985, and at least the, the vibe of 85 that I was around. Uh, it was a great movie. It was uh, filmed in New York, um, and so it gives you a gritty. Uh, it gives you a really gritty idea of how New York was uh, in the '80s before uh, things started getting cleaned up. And uh, interesting movie. So uh, yeah, if you if you get a chance, check it out. And so I was listening to the soundtrack, checking that out. It was kind of interesting. It took me back. Uh, in the news, Bayer recently got hit by an extensive year-long cyber attack. German pharma and chemicals giant Bayer has been subjected to a sustained cyber attack that seems to originate from the China-based Wintai hacking group. Wintai, am I saying that? Am I saying that correct? Winti, Win, the Winti hacking group. The company recently revealed that the attack. After uh, the company of, uh, the, of course, the company recently re revealed that the attack uh, happened after saying that it removed a Trojan after spending months containing the threat and analyzing its behavior, blah, blah, blah. The intention was to track the data siphoned by the malware back to its source, although Bayer said that no sign of there was no sign of data theft. Their cyber defense center detected indications of infections at the beginning of 2018 and initiated comprehensive analysis. There is no evidence of data outflow. Uh, and the news, of course, comes two years after Merck and company was hit by WannaCry ransomware. A, uh, a cyber attack that the pharmaceutical company said had cost it around $135 million in lost revenue due to production shutdowns and lost sales and spent around $175 million in remediation costs. Uh, of course, the Winty Group is best known for mounting attacks against the online video game industry, all kinds of other stuff. And uh, according to online security company Kaspersky, which suggests the initial motive of the hackers were to steal valuable code and legitimate software vendors. Uh, the motive uh, behind the attack on Bayer hasn't been disclosed, of course, although the company says it's collaborating closely with Germany's cybersecurity organization, the DCSO, and the State Criminal Police Office of North Rhine-Westphalia. Uh, and investigate, Jesus, you know, all kinds of people. <laughs> uh, and it's not the first time that this has been seen by this particular group. Um, and so it's, 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 something, it's something to understand that, uh, you know, taking security is kind of a serious thing, right? Uh, woke up the other morning. I couldn't sleep. I've had a real tough time sleeping lately. It's at night, you know, like... For years, I would be sleeping at night and staying up during the day, but I, I've, I've seemed to have fallen back into my old schedule of staying up late, sleeping in. And I tell you, I don't know. I feel better. I really do. Anyhow, uh, I woke up the other night around 10 p.m. <laughs> don't laugh. And there was this whole, uh, yeah, I was, I was, my, my, uh, my Twitter was going nuts. I'm like, what? Well, what the hell's going on? And I'm looking around. And there's, there's something uh, about Julian Assange being um, 
supposedly to be ousted from the Ecuadorian embassy. Uh, of course, uh, it, you know, if you're not familiar with Julian Assange, uh, he, is, he is the founder of WikiLeaks, and he has been in the Ecuadorian embassy in central London since mid-2012 after seeking refuge following a British judge ruling that he should be extradited to Sweden to face sexual assault allegations. The allegations were dropped in 2017, but Julian remained in the embassy fearing extradition to the U.S. to face charges over WikiLeaks' release of sensitive government documents. A Metropolitan Police warrant is also still in force after he absconded after being released on bail in 2010, so he's likely to be arrested as soon as he exits the embassy. And that's the whole thing, right? So that's, that's pretty much the meat and potatoes of who Julian Assange is and what's going on with there. And so uh, after all of this time, since mid-20... I, I, I don't even know how I would be able to contain my mental state being in, in the same building for seven years. Anyhow, he's been in there for seven years, uh, and it's said that uh, he could be actually expelled from the embassy. We, we will see. Uh, and... and we should all support um, we should all support free journalism and free press. I know a lot of the things that WikiLeaks have, has put out in the past has really pissed off a lot of people, but listen, that's the way it is, and that's what's going on in the world. And so um, what if there wasn't a WikiLeaks? I mean, what would you know then, right? So make your own decision there. I mean, and and support the cause that you feel is best, but... You know, there's not a lot of uh, real free journalism out there, folks. And, you know, you know, there's there's a lot there's there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of people out there putting their ass on the line for truth. Uh, moving on, Linus Torvalds, the inventor of the Linux operating system, has recently spoken <laughs> something that I can actually agree on. Um, <laughs> and this is probably one of the very few things I agree on <laughs> with him. Uh, but, uh, recently, um, he has, he has spoken about his dislike of social media, uh, quote, calling it garbage. And, um, it's just, it just, it just says it's not worth it. And I, I think that's, that's something to be said, right? Because listen, I, I've told you guys before that I've really slacked off on social media. I mean, if it's made for people with addictive personalities and you should really not be checking your phone or whatever every five minutes. You shouldn't even have a smartphone at this point. <sighs> Anyhow, he says all social media, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, WhatsApp, this app, your app, my app, those apps, any app where you have to follow or like or heart or smile at some bullshit uh, is, is a waste of time. And I, I kind of agree, but uh, we'll leave it at that. Be sure to reach out to me on Twitter. <laughs> I do have my social media accounts, but I barely post on them, as you can see. Uh, what else? What else are we talking about? We have... Um, we have some of, you know, we do have the event page at, at the website. If you go to our website 
and click on the events link, uh, you'll see you'll see that we actually have a very uh, very detailed list of events that you that are probably near you that you can attend. Maybe learn something. Uh, you know, like the student symposium in cybersecurity policy, uh, April 5th through and the 6th in Medford, Massachusetts. Uh, you also have the workshop on security for emerging distributed network technologies. Dissect April 8th through the April 8th, Washington, D.C., Maryland. Uh, you have the Financial Services Information Security Network, April 8th through the 9th in Windsor, United Kingdom. You have um, the Cybersecurity in Cloud Expo in London, April 25th and the 26th. And a whole cache of other stuff that you can attend to increase your knowledge and enjoy at our website. Uh, check it out, hackers.xxx. Click on the events link. And uh, you'll be, be uh, rewarded with many, many events. With that said, uh, one of the recent events from our events page was an event called NullCon. And I wanted to share uh, one of the talks that were recently given there uh, and this is uh an interesting talk and i think the, that you guys will enjoy it just like i did and I, so i wanted to share it with you this evening or this morning it's called a hacker walks into a co-working space now we're not going to have enough time for the entire talk but uh we'll play as much as possible and when we come back from the talk i'll just give you a, just listen to the talk check it out it's called a hacker walks into a co-working space Uh, hello everyone, thank you for coming. Uh, my name is Rahul and today I'll be talking about co-working spaces from a hacker's perspective. So I'm sure you guys know what co-working spaces are. Uh, have any of you like worked in co-working co spaces? Uh, have you been to a space or like you've been there, you've worked with someone? Have you been there? So like what was what was it like? Sorry? Oh yeah, it's a, it's a collaborative space. It's a flexible work environment, right? So everyone can take a hot desk. So they come in different sizes. So you can take a hot desk, you can take a complete unit, you can take six-seater office, and the prices also vary. Uh, you can take by hourly, daily, weekly. So uh, it works like that, right? But uh, if we if we are going to target co-working spaces, it would be like great to know uh, who all work there and who all are using those spaces, right? So uh, I'm just so I'm sorry. I'm just going to check the screen <laughs> because I cannot see anything on the screen, like what's going on there. <laughs> so as you can see, a lot of people work there uh, since they are they have a low low cost of setup and they are they provide the flexibility and the place to grow. So entrepreneurs are like the biggest user of co-working spaces. So they use them a lot. Uh, small startups, remote employees, they are definitely uh, using those spaces. So, uh, so that's what happens. Sorry. Uh, so well, everyone was 
doing fine. Everyone was working great until, well, you have already seen this slide. A hacker decided to walk into the co-working space. So this is sort of a story that I want to share, like what happens when someone, like one of us, walks into a space and what they observe, what are some of my anecdotes, like when I visited different places, how it happened, what, what all I observed. Uh, so please be prepared for a lot of personal anecdotes. Uh, I'm gonna like, I'm warning you up front. Uh, before we start, here's a little bit about me. Uh, my name is Rahul, uh, of course. Uh, I work in threat intelligence. I work for Volon. I am part of Garage for Hackers group. Uh, and I have taken some sessions in B-Sides and Cocon before. And, but this is like my first time in Nalcon. I've been on that side for like many, many years now. Uh, I've always dreamed of being on this stage and finally I'm here. So I'm nervous, but I'm really happy that, uh, my talk got selected. <sighs> so, uh, it's just a normal day. Uh, it's, it's, it's okay, it's okay, I can, I can talk from it. Uh, so it's a normal day in co-working space. Of course, I cannot see uh, because of the screen setup. Uh, it's a normal day, a hacker walks in. It's okay. Okay, so uh, as you can see, it's a normal uh, working day in co-working space. Everyone is sipping their coffee, everyone is working, but uh, not our hacker guy. Can you see like who's the hacker guy here? The one with the yellow pants, of course, the flashy guy. So he's waiting there, he's, everyone's working, but our hacker guy is not. Well, because that's what we do, right? For any of us that we, whenever we go into a space, what, what we do is we just don't sit there. We analyze the space. We see what's, what's going on there. Like how, how people are working there. How, how are the networks, right? This is what we do. So, uh, whenever I go to a place, I mean, this is uh, not only applicable for me, uh, for you, for you guys also. So whenever you go into any of these spaces, what you do is you observe what are the networks, uh, what are the access points, both the network access points and the physical access points. What are the, what are these spaces? And then, uh, if anything is being exposed, uh, if there is, if there are any sensitive documents that are being exposed, if there are any credentials that are floating around, so social engineering opportunities. So whenever we go into a space, we start thinking like that. This is, I mean, you can call it the crime of curiosity as they call it. So we are curious and we are observing things in a certain way. So, uh, when I went to this one place, I was part of this startup, I am still part of this startup. So when we went to this one place, uh, one day me, my friend and I, we were like getting bored. So we started fiddling around, we started looking around and like what we found, it was like eye opening. Uh, it was like wild west world. Uh, anything like anything was going on. So when I looked at th those spaces, th that space, I, I started wondering myself, like, is this the place that is like God forsaken place? Like, uh, no one gives a damn here or is this the case with every place? Right? So like, uh, w w what's, what's the issue? Like, is it like this everywhere? 
so that's when i started exploring right that's when i started uh, going to places uh, so i chose co-working spaces of different size and spaces so as i told you they come in different sizes uh, you can find a co-working space in a flat starting from a flat to multi story uh, buildings in big uh, big buildings so i went from i went to places which were set up in bungalows and i also went to like the places which had multiple branches or they were like nationwide so i visited these space and like i would like to present some of my findings uh, some of my findings to you guys i visited approx 10 places uh, because that that's how much it was feasible but i tried to vary my uh, vary the places i tried to vary like where all i'm visiting and if it should be of different kind so before i present my findings uh here are some things to keep in mind i of course cannot read and i don't remember the stuff but <laughs> uh but this this research was done on my personal time on my personal expense uh so i i was i just got bored so i started looking into this space and i submitted the paper for nalcon uh the issues that i'm going to present they might be very rudimentary they you're going to laugh on these issues i'm 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 sure of that but the real actual issues issue is these issues exist these are the things that i've observed that are going on in a co-working space and on any given day so while you might say there are no uh, zero days or no elite exploits but uh, the thing is why would you need to waste your exploits when everything works as i am showing as i'm going to show you uh so that's that's a, those are the some of the things that uh, you have to keep in mind also the research was purely done in pune area because of the requirement of this research because when you want to look into a co-working space uh, you are going to have to visit that place physically right you cannot just do it over network like i cannot look into a bangalore space over over the network i have to physically visit that place so since i'm based in pune i my research is based in pune area only so uh just for the sake of management or for categorization i have tried to put my findings in these four types uh like from physical perspective uh from the network perspective uh wifi has a separate uh section i'll tell you why uh and also from social engineering perspective so these are some of the things that i got to learn from um from my teammates in uh, rtd like i don't work for rtd i'm more of an automation guy as i told you uh but i took their advice i worked on some of these things and these are some of the findings that i have so first off the physical uh the physical part of it uh, so when you enter a space when you enter a co-working space this is this is the first thing that you are going to observe right so uh these spaces what these spaces do is they allocate these uh, they allocate uh, these spaces to different companies right there are maybe 20 companies working at a time there so there are always new people coming uh, people leaving new people coming every day so the security guard and everyone they are so used to seeing your faces so if a malicious actor just like walks by them they are not going to question it because that's what they used to it's a chaotic environment like they see new faces every day so it's not going to be anything new for them so that's why it makes it easy to get get the access 
and the security is not alarmed because that's what they do every day. They see new faces every day. Uh, you have no control over the access systems. So a lot of places I visited, they had no physical uh, like door control system or anything like that. But even the places that had, what they had was, uh, they were like sensors on the doors for every unit, but it was controlled centrally. So this is something that we actually observed when I'm not uh, speaking, uh, it's just out of my imagination. So we were just scanning our system, uh, scanning a network and we just came across a device, uh, web service running. So when we visited the service and we tried like some basic password, admin, 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 password, something like that. And what we observed was it was the door access control system. And now just sitting from our unit, what we could have done, done is uh, like when everyone was gone for lunch, we could have just, you know, uh, unlocked the door, go inside, put some implants and then come out. So it was that easy uh, for, for it. So you have no control over the access control, like the access control systems or the door management systems. Uh, and like, uh, if you, if you don't want to intrude or if you don't want to, you know, go like a thief, the cost of entry is very less. It starts from, I think one company was advertising maybe less than 80 rupees per hour or uh, 300 rupees per hour for your booking room. So the cost of entry is very low. You could just walk into a space. You could just give it a call in the early morning and say, I, I want to use the space and you have the access officially. And did I miss anything? No. <laughs> Sorry, I have to do this <laughs> because I made the notes, but not the complete notes. I didn't copy everything. So while, uh, while going there, I stumbled onto like, this is something I'll have to point it out to you. So while stumbling across that room, uh, where our unit was like when we were working as a startup in a co-working space. So where our unit was, there was just a server room beside us. So uh, I'm not sure what was their thinking in that, but they always used to have that a small piece of a uh, stone or paper to uh, block it from locking. I'm not sure uh, I'm, if they lost the key or not, I'm not sure, but it was like, it was like this. Can you see a little bit gap? gap at the hinge, right? So I, I was just walking there and you know, I stumbled a little bit. So, well, of course this happened. Uh, I mean, I didn't mean to do that. Of course I saw all the network devices and, but I didn't enter. Of course I'm, of course I didn't. <laughs> I mean, I'm curious, but not stupid. <laughs> and I stumbled a little bit more and then I saw like there were also the camera devices. So I mean, even there were CCTV cameras everywhere. You could have just walked right in, do your stuff, delete the footage and be out of there. Like nothing happened. Right. <laughs> then there were uh, one day I went to this space and I, I immediately saw there was a security guard sitting there. And since I work for a startup, I don't have a lot of money to waste on, you know, getting paying to these spaces. So when I went there, I saw there's a security guard right front, right in the reception. So what I did was I climbed down, I took a circle and I saw like there were service lift going into that space. There was a back door, uh, that opened right inside the space. So as you can see, like there's a service lift that opens up in a different wing, but there was no, no one, no one sitting there. Right. So 
uh, this way I completely bypass that exercise. I mean, it's, it's very easy, very easy to say like, yeah, anyone could have done that. But these are the sort of stuff that's happening in co-working spaces. Uh, okay. So, I mean, who used to write on walls as, as a kid? Right? I mean, a lot of people used to do that. So, when, when you go into these co-working spaces, there are no actual uh, partitions, right? So, for partition, what they do is they'll put up a glass wall. And since we are all kids inside, we love to write on them, right? So, I've seen a lot of stuff written on those walls. Uh, people will just plan their meetings on those walls. They'll write next features that they want to apply, that they want to deploy on their walls. And so, when... Uh, and also, before I focus on that wall thing, there are also, uh, in, in the most of the co-working spaces that I visited, they had a network printed, network printer, which was like kept somewhere and you could just connect to the network and, and then print it. So again, a common printing area where you could find a lot of stuff where people keep forgetting the contracts, their IDs or stuff like that. So coming back to writing on the wall, well, I'm not sure if you can see it clearly, but there's a lot of stuff written on that wall. So the wall is approx six feet by six feet or eight feet. And there's a lot of stuff written on that wall. So I was just walking, like after coming from the back door, I was just walking there and I saw there's a lot of stuff written there, right? But a particular string uh, caught my eye. Uh, so then I took a, uh, what do you say? Uh, then I took a zoomed in picture of that area. And what I did was I just uh, mirror imaged it. So actually this was there. So it said the Wi-Fi name. Uh, I had to blur out the company name and the password because of course the password also contained company name. We'll see. <laughs> so so we'll, we'll see this stuff when we, when we reach to the Wi-Fi section. But so the Wi-Fi word is there. So there SSID was company name, ABC Wi-Fi and the password was something, something, something. So <laughs> this is the sort of stuff that people are writing on their wall. I mean, the kid don't, I mean, they say, right, don't let the kid die, uh, kid uh, die. So I'm, some people, at least some people are following that. Uh, now the network part, this is the part that, I mean, most of you would be interested in. Uh, so when I went to those, uh, when we were like sitting in an office, right? So we used to connect to, a, connect to Wi-Fi. I mean, Wi-Fi is our big part as we'll see in further sections. But one day the Wi-Fi was not working or something like that. Then we connected to the LAN port. And well, imagine our surprise. <laughs> there were a lot more people than sitting in our office. And like we, we always do that. We try to run Nmap or something like that. And there were like a lot of people sitting. There were a lot of devices that we didn't deploy. And, and like that got us, that got us thinking like, who are these people? So, uh, when we looked, we came across the fact that uh, the whole network was a flat network. There were no hierarchies. There were like, there, there, it was flat network. So everyone could ping anyone. So everyone who connected their router to the LAN port, it was on, like it was within our reach. Even if we didn't know the Wi-Fi password, it was within our reach. Uh, VLAN, actually we found that they did the segregation by VLANs at one space. I'm, I'm going to show it to you. Uh, and then uh, lots of uh, devices that we saw, saw uh, were connected to the LAN ports. They had lots of default credentials. 
so i'm going to show it to like show some of those findings to you uh but uh, some more things about some more observations about network uh, there was a lack of perimeter protection like perimeter devices for example your firewalls ips and stuff like that i mean we'll see uh, and whenever and even if it was there there was there were like improper configuration and stuff like that and if you connected uh, your device to the lan port it was just like i mean it was just one step below con exposing it to the whole world because if you were using outdated windows outdated firmware devices or if your devices were just old or had default credentials it was just like putting it up on internet and let a botnet hit it or let someone uh, like uh, steal your data oh and let's not even get started on like what people did with their wifi uh, it it actually deserved its own section so i had to give it in a different section so that this section didn't get long so i said there was a lack of perimeter device but i was not actually being true at one place we did find like there was a the gateway was cyber room firewall so i mean anyone who is sophisticated enough to put up firewall in their uh, environment i mean you think they would know how to protect it right so like anyone who has used cyber room firewall yeah so like what is the default password for that cyber room and cyber and because cyber is so hot so <laughs> uh of course this happened i mean my fingers just ran on their own and they typed cyber room and cyber and as you can see it's even warning you on the on the front page that your default password for cyber room is not not changed and one of the messages from 2013 and i was like do you even look at these devices or do you just someone told you you should keep a firewall and you just connected it to network and yeah everything works so it but the good thing was the good thing was there if you can see the dates their ips system was working so their intrusion prevention system had the validity left they were subscribed to it and i'm sure it was working i mean i i couldn't see to it but i'm sure it was working so yeah now the focus comes damn it uh so as i said there was lack of segregation but not in one place like i came across a place where they had lot of lots of vlans uh, created uh, i think approx 44 44 to be exact so what i did was i was i was connected to one of the vlans my ip was 10.10.x. something so but uh, while i was doing running nmap or something like that what i did was i was thinking something and i kept my network bit as wrong so now what happened was i was able to ping that subnet and i was like this should not happen right this is this is a vlan like there should be a sort of segregation there should be access control and they had a they had a vlan for every unit on the three floors so they had a three floor uh, establishment and they were i'm guessing 44 offices there because there's the number of vlans or maybe 40 plus offices working there so yeah i mean when i ping it worked and i was like can i scan it completely <clears throat> can i get a glass of water so i i learned that this nmap command works so you could apart from giving the range in host uh, addresses you could also give the range in network part so that's something i learned that day and i was able to discover a lot more devices and devices from these units 
I unfortunately did not discover a lot of devices that day because, <coughs> sorry, because that was Saturday and it was cheapest that day. So I went there on the cheapest day. It was Saturday and there were not a lot of online devices, but yeah, I, I could have done the damage. Uh, well, this was like, this is just to show the impact. Uh, on cyber room, there were like DNS setting and, uh, there were VPN and there was like RDP port open, uh, from the world. So there was a mapping that, uh, defined like uh, port forwarding sort of. So if I could have changed the DNS here, I could have controlled the traffic flow for whole three floors, right? I could have just directed them, them to my malicious DNS and it would have just worked fine. Uh, some internal applications, some demo applications that were hosted on those networks, like on different, uh, units. Uh, I had to blur the names also because names were proprietary and they were internal applications, but this is a sort of, and they had demo accounts running. So this is the sort of stuff that you come across when you, you know, just, okay, don't try to read it. Anyone who's trying to don't read it. I'll change it. <laughs> I don't want to get into any troubles. So I'll, so I'll scanning, as I said, if you put up a device on the LAN port, it's publicly accessible to anyone working in that co-working space. I mean, that is, that has been my experience. So I came across like, okay, this looks like windows server 2008. Now, personally, I am, I, I like, I've never worked for, uh, penetration testing or, uh, the VAPT stuff or red teaming stuff. Like I, I am a Python I, automation guy, but even I know like, Window, it's, if it's Windows Server 2008, it has to be vulnerable to something, man. I mean, people don't patch their devices that often. Also, this device was part of a domain, ad.xyz.com. Uh, so I'm sure I, I can see already a smile from Anand sir. So, uh, I mean, I, I'm not sure if the result was true, but I just ran, uh, the Metasploit scanner, I didn't want to do any, any harm, I didn't want to run any exploit, but uh, the Metasploit Eternal Blue scanner said, okay, this is vulnerable to MS17010, MS17010, yeah. So, of course, I didn't try exploiting it because it looked like a production server which was connected to AD, which was running Windows Server 2008 and VMware and stuff. So, I didn't try that, but of course, that, that was something that one could have achieved if they wanted to. Uh, similarly, uh, found some devices that were like vulnerable to Apache mod CGI that is shell shock, uh, vulnerability. Then again, some more MS17010 or eternal blue or eternal suite of exploits, uh, vulnerable machines. So this is the sort of, uh, trouble that you are asking for when you, when you work in a co-working environment without, without, you know, giving much thoughts. Uh, so as I said, Wi-Fi, Wi-Fi is the most important part. Uh, okay. So Wi-Fi is the most important part. Uh, passwords never change. Once you get into a, a co-working space just for one day, the, the password is going to work for like next six, 10 years. Who knows? Uh, the passwords never change. Uh, none of them had captive portals. One had the captive portals, but I just entered a random email address and it worked like a charm. So I'm not sure what was the point of that captive portal. Uh, lots of routers, uh, had the default password. Uh, so, and since we were in a flat network, uh, admin, admin works, worked in a lot of places. I mean, it worked in places more than I expected it would work. Also, we were able to see internal DNS addresses, 
port forward port forwarding mappings uh, ppoe passwords so ppoe password is interesting one because in some networks it also allows you to log into your web portal the password and uh, the username and password is same as the ppoe uh, for web uh, interfaces at least it works on new broadband so if you get oh okay yeah so if you get ppoe password you also control their uh, internet speed and everything else also uh, we saw like pamphlets like Printed like this everywhere. Uh, it contained password for all the conference room, all the meetings room. Uh, then we came across a interesting SSID. Like we read the password and then we came across the SSID server room. And I was like, there was no way server at the right one to see what will work, right? 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 Okay. Well, <laughs> so it it worked. I mean, <laughs> and the password worked, and upon that, admin admin worked. I mean, I. I didn't even, I mean, I, I wanted to uh, do like, I wanted to learn some, you know, serious exploitation, but the assignment did not allow me to, they just, it just worked on first try. So like, these are some of the screenshots of the Wi-Fi that I saw. I'm just going to rush through it because it's just the Wi-Fi login password that I, uh, also the Cisco VPN router. Uh, what is this? I cannot see it. Yeah, PPPoE. So this was PPPoE. I was not able to see password, but then I tweaked a little using the uh, browser tools, and it just spit it out on me. And just same for the Cisco uh, router. Uh, I just like it was the password was there. It was just set to input type because to password I just changed it to text, and it was it started showing me password. Uh, sorry, I'm going to rush through because I I've just been told like there are like three four minutes left max. Uh, social engineering, this is the most important part when you are trying to target a company. Uh, because as I said, a lot of people work from a lot of different companies. Uh, people are more open to talk to you. Uh, so people are used to seeing different people on the desk, on the cafeteria area. So you could just go, you, you could talk to them and uh, you know, uh, you could just try to get some information about it if you're targeting someone. Also, uh, one thing that I learned was one pro tip that I learned was if you go during the uh, lunch hours or the chai sutta hours, uh, people don't uh, like people don't care who's going in, who's going out because there's a lot of people going in. So you could just tailgate right with the people, not into the units, but into the co-working spaces. Another thing that I learned was uh, when we were working in these spaces, a maid used to uh, like when we used to come to our office, the office used to be clean every morning. And I was like, what is this sorcery? How is, how is it getting cleaned? Uh, but then it turned out the housekeeping staff has a access card, which has access to all the units. So you could just, you know, talk to them or bribe them or do whatever you want. And once you get that access, you could just clone the card. You could, I mean, a lot of, uh, lot of stuff that you can do once you have access to the space. Uh, but now, now that I've shown you, like, these are some of the findings, sorry, some, I, I had to rush to some of them. Uh, but why should you care about them, right? Like these are co-working spaces, startups use them. It's, it's okay. Right. But, uh, like, is it, is it even worth her time to uh, waste? So I would like to try to throw some light on these, some facts. Uh, I mean, just to tell you the popularity about, I mean, I'm literally throwing the light there. So 1.7 million people were estimated to be working in, uh, how much is the 19,000? Yeah. 19,000 co-working spaces. And the Indian co-working industry, like the Indo Indian co-working spaces, they are set to receive approx 400 million worth of investment 
in like coming months or coming months so and there are like 500 co-working spaces by an estimate in india so you can see like if 1.7 million people are working if all the budding startups are there budding startups are there so i'm just going to rush through what's at risk the most important part that is at risk is your million dollar idea because what do startups have why do people start their startup because they have some revolutionary idea right so apart from the obvious stuff your million dollar idea is on the line because you are not aware these things exist in uh, co-working spaces but these things do and someone might be stealing your idea or your plans and uh, i mean you can read the rest of this stuff And I wish we had more time to play the rest of that, folks. But again, we uh, just don't have that much time. We only have so much to fit in an hour, right? So that was called A Hacker Walks Into a Co-Working Space. And it's by uh, Rahul. Rahul, ben, I don't even know what the fuck his name is. But anyhow, uh, it's it's a great video uh, and uh, real mad props to him for it. Uh, great talk. Loved it. Uh, and you can check it out. at uh, it, Just search for it on YouTube. <laughs> But you thought we were going to give you the link, huh? Hey, I wanted to send a special shout out to Apple and Stone. Hey, guys, I miss you guys, and thank you so much. I love you very much for everything that you've done for us. And uh, also, I wanted to thank you, the listener, for checking out the show. I mean, really, if it wasn't for you guys uh, just checking us out, I, I wouldn't be doing this, right? Uh, we wouldn't be doing this. And uh, we, we're, we're quite impressed. Thank you for the email that we email, uh, emails that we recently got. Or thank you for the emails that you've sent in that I've recently checked. And um, yeah, I know I got some of the dates wrong on a couple of shows. Sorry about that. Uh, very challenging winner. Did I mention that? I get a, a bet I did. One of the emails that I got was, well, not one email, but I got about, I literally got like, 20 emails about one of the songs that we closed the show with of i don't know i forget now but anyhow uh i remember the contents of the email and it was a uh, crash actually did a mix of um of, of a mix and it was by an artist called sergey alexeff and synthetic sax and it featured uh the singer i takikawa and um, so without any further ado, we'll play that at the end of this end of the show. We'll play the original mix because it, we, we just got it's like, hey, what song is that? I love that. And people were like, uh, what is it? Uh, Shazamming it and everything. And so I, w I figured I'd share that with you guys uh, this evening. Uh, and again, thanks for listening to the show. Uh, check out our website, hackers.xxx. And uh, make your own decision on that. <laughs> One day we'll get around to making a real website. Until then, we'll just keep it. Uh, we'll keep it there. Uh, and you know, hey, take a break. Take go outside. Check out the check out the sky. It's it's not uh, it's not as bad as it once was. Get that wind on your face. Get the sun in your face. And use your skills for something good. Well, unless someone's pissed you off. In that case, well, <laughs> oh, well, that's on you. Anyhow, seriously, though, oh, 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 what was I going to say? You know what? I was going to, I was going to, 
I was going to go in an entirely different direction on the closing of the show, but I wanted to keep it. I wanted it. I wanted to keep it what I just said. I wanted to close the show with uh, this this mix because I dig it. Uh, but I dig I dig Crash's version uh, because he just I don't know. Judge for, judge for yourself. And uh, until show number eighty eight, I love you guys very much. Thank you for listening. I love your emails. <laughs> And thank you for the messages. And uh, yeah, um, I'll see you guys in a couple more weeks. I'll be talking to some more companies in the in the coming weeks. And um, I don't know. I talked to one company last week, and they were really they really piqued my interest. What was it? Thursday? Uh, guys, sounded really awesome. Anyhow, uh, until then, until show number eighty eight. Take care of yourselves. Get out and enjoy some weather. We're we're closing in on our fourth year of doing this, you know. And until then, take care of yourself, and I'll see you then. All right, love you guys. Bye. <laughs>